0: Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innovabuzz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to InnovaBiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast.
1: seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. I believe that all of us that are getting out there to market, to be podcasters, to start own businesses, or or just to grow a little bit, we have this idea of, of profit being important. And it is. But I believe that if you lead with value first, you're going to find that you leave a much longer lasting impact and that you'll be more fulfilled in the process. And ultimately, I find that profit is sometimes... A byproduct of the value that you add to people's lives.
0: Welcome back. I hope your week's been just awesome so far. If you haven't heard my recent conversations with entrepreneurial consultant and author Lynn Howard and with humane marketing consultant and author of The Gentle Marketing Revolution, Sarah Santacroce then do check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Alex Sanfilippo. He's a podcaster, he's host of the Creating a Brand podcast and the founder of PodMatch that automatically matches ideal podcast hosts and guests for conversations. Alex has worked in real estate investing and in aerospace. Interesting combination. He started a blog and built that into a multi-author blog with more than 130 writers on it. He also recently launched PodcastSOP.com, a software service for podcasters to manage the workflow of each new episode release. In our conversation today... Alex talked to me about how to focus your podcast on your dream listener. And that's a model for focusing your business on your dream client. We talked about the importance of a media pack or a podcast one sheet for landing speaking or podcast guest spots. And we agreed and talked about seeking to be a person of value first. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Alex Sanfilippo
2: hi i'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and i'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Jacksonville Florida in the United States Alex Sanfilippo from creating a brand and Alex is also the founder of Podmatch Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Alex. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest.
1: Jurgen, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for saying my last name properly. It's very rare, so I appreciate starting off on a good foot here.
2: Oh, okay. Well, um, normally I ask people how to pronounce their names. I was pretty confident with yours, so <laughs> I'm glad I skipped, I'm glad I didn't mess it up after skipping the asking the right pronunciation. Now, Wade Gold, who was our guest on episode 450 of the InnovaBuzz Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Alex, and he introduced us. So, a big hello to Wade. I just
1: chatted with him yesterday. He's a great guy. Wade is somebody that I've learned a lot from. He, he, like, as soon as I met him, the guy gave me his phone number, and the next day he's like calling me. He's like, "Hey, I wanted to help you with this," and it was just—he's uh, great. So, really cool um, to to know that we both know Wade.
2: <laughs> yeah, he he is really cool, and um, we're we're looking to do some stuff together. So that's really fun yeah now, it's interesting to read your journey. You went into aerospace at one stage, and um you know there's there's a saying that says it's not rocket science, so you obviously touched on that area of rocket science, which means you must be very smart <laughs> and um and but you've been an entrepreneur all your life. So tell us a little bit about what impact you're making in the world today and what drives you.
1: Yeah, sure. When you mention aerospace, I first have to give a disclaimer because most people, whenever I've said that in like a room, people always raise their hand like, Ooh, have you been to space? Have you flown a jet and have you skydived a million times? I've not done any of those things. It's behind a computer is what most of us do in the aerospace industry. So everything I did was behind a computer uh, in an office in Jacksonville, Florida. So not to be sound boring, but like that's where my career was mostly spent. And, uh, like, like you said, it was really interesting though. Like I got the opportunity to be an entrepreneur. At a very young age, like I started selling things in the neighborhood, like a lot of kids do, you know, like a lot of kids do lemonade. I sold used golf balls because there's a golf course in the neighborhood, so like all kinds of things. So from a young age, I realized I really enjoyed entrepreneurship. When I got into aerospace, I, I did 15 years in that industry before leaving, and I, I really enjoyed it because I got the opportunity to flex my entrepreneurial muscles, but in the safety of an organization, if that makes sense. So I still got to really be an entrepreneur. Just uh, there were some guardrails around it, which for me, for many years, really worked well, and it gave me opportunity to to make a big impact. Yeah,
2: yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. Tell us about the impact you're having today in in the businesses you're running.
1: Yeah. So today, fast forward years, I finally got out of uh, aerospace, which was a a a bittersweet day for sure, because I loved it till the day I left. But I decided to really go all in on on podcasting, and I got to give a quick congratulations. I mean, you're close to 500 episodes, Jurgen, and that's like there are not many podcasts that ever reach that number, like very few. I don't know the exact number, but it's it's not many. So congratulations. But uh I'm someone who also decided to dive all in on, on podcasting and what I ended up doing was launching a show about entrepreneurship because I knew I wanted to to get out of corporate and get back into my own type of startup, and I thought that podcasting would be a cool place to do that because I was just listening to them all the time. Like I live an active lifestyle, so the audio side of podcasting works really well for me. can always be playing. It's in my pocket, right? Like I don't have to be holding or watching a screen. And uh so I decided to give it a shot. So I started my own show to add value to early stage entrepreneurs. And then out of that decided to to launch what is now PodMatch, which to to give you a a broad overview of it, basically what it does is automatically connects podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. And it it does that very similar like how an online dating app would work. Basically it's looking at both sides of the puzzle and saying, hey, what would be an ideal fit for this show? Or for this guest to be on and that's what we've created and that was all just something i realized from from having my own podcast like i just got to know other podcasters and realized there was a need
2: hmm mm, that's great and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about podmatch in a moment I, i'll just sort of say that um, you know it's quite amazing to be at 467 or whatever episodes well we're at right now and looking forward and and every now and then i do the math. And figure out well when when we're we going to hit episode five hundred, and what do we do when we get there it's kind of like it's hard to believe that we're this far into the podcasting journey, and like you say, a lot of people kind of stop um I think seven or so is the magic number when people first yeah started. Um pod what fade do you line. think well, <laughs> yeah what what do you think and and you know, I was talking to Wade about this yesterday actually about pod fade. What do you think um causes people? To experience that pod fade because I think there's, there's a parallel in all kinds of things in business. You know, people take on something new that they think can give them value in their relationships or, or grow their business in some way. And then they get part of the way into that journey and they just stop doing it. They lose interest or I don't know what it is, but you know, what, what do you think are the factors that contribute to that?
1: Yeah, there's a number of them. And it's an insightful question. But I think the main thing is a misidentified expectation of what a podcast can do. I think a lot of people they start after watching like, I don't know, Joe Rogan, like one of those really big shows, right? And the assumption is, I'm going to start a show, I'm going to quit my job in a month, because I'll basically be the next Joe Rogan. And maybe it's not that exactly, but maybe in the genre of music or a Hmm. genre of podcasts that you like, Maybe that's your, your idea. And I think it's just a false expectation of, Hey, I'm going to start this and it's going to be really big, really fast. And it's podcasting. So it's just me talking. It's really easy to do. And it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. First off, podcasting is a lot of work. Like you're going I wouldn't have said like great job having 500 podcasts if it just took you 20 minutes to do the whole thing. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that goes into being a podcast host that people don't see to produce an episode to get it done. There, there's just a lot of steps along the way. So one, it's more work than people realize. And the other thing is again, that false expectation. Like we just assume listeners can come from everywhere. No, you've got to know how to find your ideal audience. Like you have to know how to find them and show them that it exists. People are not waiting around searching for your podcast that hasn't been created yet. Like they don't just show up the day that you make it. So it's up to you to get out there and do the marketing as well. So now you're like not only running this huge process like the system that is a podcast but now you're also having to go out and market yourself if you're and if you're like i'm just not really a natural marketing person it's gonna be tough for you to really get some traction but i think it all comes from that this expectation that we have on what it could be and it truly can become that but just not as easy as we think that it would be
2: yeah yeah i think there's a couple of really great points there and uh, you know you think well joe rogan is where joe rogan is because i don't know what episode number he's at but it's over it's well over the thousands isn't it mm-hmm. and and um who is it that says you know there's 10 you have to do it ten thousand times before you're considered an expert or before so so really for me it's um i i was again talking to wade yesterday about you know the early episodes and i listened back to some of my early episodes and and i cringe you're brave <laughs> for was, listening that was awful <laughs> Um, actually, there are some good ones there too, and I, I I know what the difference is, which is interesting in and of itself because it's around the, the, the relationships. You know, the people oh. that I had on where I had a long-standing relationship already established, and because they actually were ideal guests for me, I brought them onto the show, and obviously they said yes when I asked them, regardless of the fact that I was just a new show starting up. And, and that was really good because there was a relationship there. And so the conversation was between two people that already had a relationship. But the other thing, um, is that, you know, keeping going in that and learning from what you're doing is, is a big thing in that. So the consistency and, and just taking action on that and improving all the time. And I think that's true of anything, not just podcasting.
1: Yeah, it really is true of of anything we do, right? Those 10,000 hour rule, I I guess it was popularized by Malcolm Gladwell. And I forgot who originally said it, but it it is true. And like, you're brave for going back and listening, but it's interesting (laughs) that you're able to identify the good ones versus the bad ones. And I I now see as you're very experienced in podcasting, what you've done to counteract that, like you and I didn't know each other before this, but we had a a pre-call and we talked a little bit before we actually started recording. So you're able to establish a little bit of a relationship beforehand. Mm Instead of what a lot of hosts just do, especially when they get started, they're nervous to even meet somebody new. So as soon as they call them, they're like, okay, thank you, thank you, Jurgen, for being on the show. I'm going to hit record, and we're going to start talking. And they hit record, and they just start talking. There's there's no relationship. There's very little understanding of how the other person works. And like mm. you're saying, that can create a little bit of like a friction in the episode that maybe people can't hear aside from you, but you know you didn't bring 110% because yeah, yeah. it was impossible possible right. to do so, right?
2: Exactly right, yeah. and. Um, you know, there's been so many things that we've built into our system over the years. And, and that pre-call, as you mentioned, is, is so important now because it makes, it makes it easy for me as well. I mean, it makes me feel relaxed when I come on. So I knew, okay, I've spoken to Alex. I know Alex. It's kind of like meeting an old friend almost. Right. Yeah. Which so, and it might, ma- and it makes it a much more relaxed atmosphere for the guest as well. The other thing is I've you know, some episodes in the past I've listened back and I think that that wasn't really good and part of it was I took on a guest that wasn't probably the best match for the podcast and I made the best I could out of it at the time. But today I probably would say on that pre-call, Look, I don't think you're a good fit for the podcast, and then we you know, we actually suggest some podcasts that they could go on if, if it's somebody that's really actively looking to be on podcasts, so it, it's a good filter as well
1: yeah, you actually bring up a really good business point here, just general, not just podcasting, <laughs> but really understanding like who your who your ideal client or ideal person is that you want to work with, mm. and being willing to say no, which is so tough for people, especially like when we started the process but i 'm telling you what learning to do that will save you a lot i had same thing happen i actually had i've had three people on my podcast that I never actually aired the episode because it just it was not in line with what the message I want to get out there they were very conceited they were overall nice people but they just the message they were getting out there was not what I wanted to share hmm. and I would have known that if I would have been willing to say no early on but I just was like oh it's a it's a big guest or it, I already got this far in the relationship and I think that's really important in any business like if you start getting that that feeling like in your gut like you've gotta listen to that i know some people are like oh listen your gut isn't strategic and i'm like a type a personality so even me saying that sounds weird but the truth is like if you start feeling that you got to protect the person that's your your end customer or even your own your own system that you have right or the direction that you want to go in so I, I think you bring up a really important point there
2: mm. and it's even gotten to the point where we we um i have an assistant who does all the scheduling up front and you would have react uh interacted with her Mm-hmm. And we get lots of applications come in to come on the show, and she will actually mark probably one in ten applications or so. She'll just mark it and say not a good fit, and she'll re- she'll reject them before I can even get to see them. I don't. <laughs> that's good. Don't you don't want see that. those ones. Yeah, yeah. And and she's got that down pat. You know, occasionally I'll I'll have a look and I'll look at well, who is that? And I'll say, yep, that's right, not really a good fit, and and so i just leave that to her all right um i mean you raise another good point there and i think that's really important in business we we've, we've done a lot of work on identifying who who is your ideal customer your dream customer that you want to work with because if you're not if you've got customers that are way outside that then it becomes really hard to actually work with them even even if they need whatever service it is you offer because there's just a clash of culture a clash of values whatever it might be and that friction you talked about um, so applying that into the podcasting space i think is really important too knowing who who your ideal listener is first so that you can do the marketing to those people because they're the ones that are going to listen to the podcast and say wow i like that i really like the way that person does it i like the topics i like the guests and and so they're naturally going to be um the dream listener knowing who that is and then knowing who the guests are that can serve that listener as well is is really important
1: yeah it's the only way you get to where to where you're at hurricane i mean and as a matter of fact like by the way you have a really good podcasting voice like one of the best out there so just gonna (laughs) just gonna throw that out there like because i've been listening to your show and i'm like man this dude has just got the voice like um and here's the thing some listeners might they might listen because of that but the majority of them are going to listen because of the value that the show adds, right? The focus of yeah. the actual show that you have. And I, I think for any business podcast or not, the best thing you can do to start out is create an avatar. So your ideal client. this should be a fictitious individual for me. Like I did that for my show. When I started, the first thing I did is I, I wrote up, I shouldn't say the first thing I did when I started my proper launch, when somebody taught me this, uh, so I, I had to circle back, but I created my ideal avatar, my listener, his name is Adam. I wrote a whole backstory about him like he listens while he's driving to and from the gym because he has a really busy job and that's where he unwinds uh, right after work and that's when he's going to be listening because he wants to start his own business. Like I've got all these different pieces of data that are all fictitious, but it describes a real person. Yeah. And so whenever I think about what guests I'm going to bring on or if I want to offer any sort of new offering like in the episode itself to kind of be a promotional thing, I always ask myself, would this benefit Adam? And mm. I think making that your North Star of your business or your podcast is really going to help a lot because then you have a true direction to know, like, okay, is what I'm doing going to benefit that avatar? And if it's not, then maybe it's not the right business decision or decision for a podcast.
2: Yeah, that's that's brilliant advice. Uh, we've got podcast Pat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, there's a whole story around Pat. And yeah, if if we're um, unsure of something, we'll say, well, what, what would Pat want? That's the. You know, I like that. We Had an acronym at some stage, but we gave up on the ac- acronym. I <laughs> thought, what would what would Pat want? It's pretty clear.
1: Yeah, Merenzo, what what would you G- what would Jesus do? You had what, what would Pat want, right? That's good. I yeah. like that. I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Um, so, talk
2: to us a little bit then about PodMatch and and what's the problem PodMatch solves and how does it do that?
1: Yeah. So, um, the idea for PodMatch came out of. A need that I saw. So I'm passionate about podcasting. Anyone listening at this point can tell that that's kind of my thing, right? Like I'm full into podcasting. And, uh, I just saw a need that people were struggling to find their ideal guest. Now, Juergen, you have a, you've got a big podcast here that's been going for a while. Like it's not tough for you, but if you just started today, it's a little bit difficult. You're going to call on your cousin or your one friend that has a business, like depending on what kind of show it is or the funny guy that you know down the street who's kind of a comedian, like, or the, the athlete, right? You're just gonna go for who you know, but you're gonna extend that network really fast like you're gonna you're gonna break it like you you don't have enough people none of us doing our own network and so when I consistently heard podcast hosts especially the newer ones telling me, hey I just can't find guests for my show I can't find the right fit I've like I think I have to stop doing a podcast or I have to go to like a solo podcast I don't really want to do that I continuously heard that and that's why we created podmatch so simply put as I mentioned it's just a basically think like an online dating app where it's connecting a guest to a host based off forty different criteria pieces that we set up that podcasters told us were important, and it basically matches these individuals together. And from there, they can choose who they want to interview. They can message back and forth in the platform, schedule, do all of that. So the need that we're solving is helping hosts find their ideal guests. And on the flip side, we're helping guests get their message out to the world. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that's great. It's a great service. I've I've used it. quite extensively actually um (laughs) probably more now to find podcasts to appear on as a guest yeah other than um i mean i have my profile on there and i get people reach out to me on the platform to be guests on the show and i do um occasionally bring people on that that have reached out from podmatch so it it's certainly a, a tool that we use um what One thing I'm curious about, how did you get started with it initially when, um, obviously, I mean, I think it's an easy sell for podcasters, particularly new podcasters who might be struggling to find guests, but how did you get enough guests on there to make it viable initially? Because, you know, if you get a 100 podcasters go on looking for guests and you've got one or two people that have registered guests, that might not really work too well.
1: You know, it's been said that timing in business is the most important element. I believe it was, uh, Bill Gross who said this. I think he said 42% of a business's success is determined by the timing in which it starts and which it launches. And he's, Bill Gross, for anyone who doesn't know, he's considered the unicorn entrepreneur. I think he started seven companies that have IPO'd at over a billion dollars. So a unicorn company is a billion. He's done that seven times. He's the only person to do that. And he's saying that timing is the most important thing. So I kind of believe the guy, right? Like, but the point is, when we launched, we just happened to launch it at the right time. We actually launched on June 10th, 2020, which was kind of like the thick of COVID, like mm-hmm. when just everything was unknown, everything was shut down. And I knew podcasters. So the 100 people that told me they were having the problem with not being you know, find guests, they were our first 100 people that were using it. So they were the first 100 members. Now I had a 100 podcasters and no guests. And thankfully, because of the timing, I don't mean to say that like, and not being sensitive or compassionate to other people, but this was like this was good for us what happened was a lot of the public speakers of the world they no longer had a stage and i don't know who we told but one public speaker that must have had some sort of influence among other ones found out about it and literally told i mean hundreds just thousands of people and almost overnight we had about three thousand people join and the the speakers that joined about 1500 were, were public speakers they were like well I mean, they charge $10,000 to talk to you for 15 minutes, but now they're just jumping on podcasts because they want something to keep fresh. Mm -hmm. So really for us, the beauty of it was the timing in which we launched, and there was no way we could have prepared for that. A lot of that was just a blessing that we were just in the right place at the right time when we launched. So we really didn't have a lot of trouble with that. Now, ongoing, we regularly look at the difference between the guests and the hosts, like how many we have of each. And we've realized we need about 20% more hosts than guests on the platform at any given time in order for Mm -hmm. to continue to grow healthy. So we just kind of monitor that number, and if we feel like we're running a little low on on hosts or on guests, we'll do some marketing campaigns around that to try to bring the number up to be to continue to rise together at that right ratio.
2: Hmm, mm, that's great. I'm I'm surprised it was only just over a year ago that you launched. Has it been around longer in kind of public beta? Or?
1: So actually, like- no. Yeah, it was. Uh, it hasn't been around that that long. We actually launched into uh, to early beta. It was June 15th, 2020, but we, we we had the idea on March 10th, 2020 as well. So we just mm. like grinded out to get it to an early beta and launch with those 100 people. And, and yeah, the rest has kind of been history. But I mean, I appreciate you saying that it means it's not bad for a fairly new product, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Well, it just seems like I've been on there forever. <laughs>
1: the tools. I mean, and, and
2: we, run, um, we run some training workshops about you know how to get on podcasts as a guest and and we talk about a lot of the stuff we've already talked about but one of the things that we do also is say well you know there's tools out there where you can find podcasts and get introduced to podcasters and one of them that we promote quite heavily is Podmatch. so thank
1: you that's amazing
2: yeah. it just seems seems i've been doing that forever
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i think after about almost 500 episodes it all kind of blends together a little bit right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Got to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably
2: all right um one of the things I'd like to get your views on is, you know, what, what are some of the good ways that people can use Podmatch in terms of, well, let's say a guest, because I, I see a lot of guest pitches that come my way, whether it's through Podmatch or just cold email. Um, a lot of agencies reaching out and some of them are so, so awful that, you know, I think. Like, well, you mean the, the actual pitch. pitch
1: that comes through, right?
2: The pitch that comes through. Yeah. yeah. So, what? Yeah. What, um, Let's start with that one. What's, what's a good practice on Podmatch? Let's say you're on Podmatch, you're a speaker. You want to get on a whole lot of uh, podcasts. What's, what's the best practice for reaching out to the host there and, and landing podcast guest spots?
1: Yeah. The first thing I want to mention, I think it all starts with the one sheet you have. Podmatch creates your profile, which is a one sheet, which simply means it's got like your pictures, some questions you're okay with being asked ideas for topics. Little bio, all your links, all your everything, basically all that stuff. It's called a one sheet. It's really important to do a good job on that. I know this isn't the pitch itself, but again, having one, if you're not using Podmatch, have something in PDF that people can, you can send to them so they can see it is really important because here's something I've learned. I've had some people want to be guests on my show, but they've never had a, pub, like a, a picture taken of them. They use like a selfie. And, and not trying to be mean, but like we like to have like when we do the marketing and stuff, we like to have some good pictures of people. Like I'm not saying that to be like beautiful individuals, but mm-hmm. th- it needs to be beyond just them in their backyard with their dog and a selfie. Like we need to go further than that. So people have to think about, okay, is this one sheet really good? Like have I filled out the questions well? Have I Does I have a focus? To, can people tell what I'm trying to do? And can they use it? Can a host use it? If you do that, you do most of the work for hosts. So that's kind of like a little bonus for you there mm-hmm. for your listeners as well. That's great. But how to yeah. actually... Yeah, how to actually pitch though? I've seen all the bad ones too. I mean, just so many bad ones. And I, I just think the first step is you have to lead with value. You have to start off with value, and value can mean a lot of different things. But some simple ideas here: you can say something as simple as, "Hey, I love your podcast cover art. Like the artwork looks really cool." Or if you listen, don't don't lie because a lot of people mm. try to do that. But if you actually listen to an episode, point out one thing that you liked about it, not just saying, "Hey." Juergen, I enjoyed episode blah, blah, blah with so-and-so. And don't say anything about it, right? You got to kind of break it down a little bit. Um, Or like another example, say, Juergen, you have a great voice for podcasting. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm listening to your show. It's great. Like I've already referenced that. But leading with that value is I think the first and most important thing because so many people, they go straight into, I've been in business for 35 years and I'm a professional and this is what yeah. I've done and I have a book now and we need to talk about it, right? Like that, even if it's interesting, like the way that they said it, it really shuts shuts me down a little bit, right? Mm.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah. A couple of great tips there. I think the the one sheet I like to um, use the analogy there. If you're a speaker, for example, or a book author, when when books launch, they have a press kit to help launch the book, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the press kit is designed to give to people in the media so that they can then use that press kit to write an article about the new book or about the speaker or whatever it might be. So if you think about that, uh, a press kit for the podcaster, so the podcast host has everything they need to write up uh, a short summary of their guests.
1: Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I think that's a really good way to look at it. That gives people a really clear expectation of, of what it is they need to do.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And I love the, um, love the leading with value and being authentic. I, i i don't know whether it's just because i've got so many episodes under my belt and i've seen so many pictures but i can tell you know yeah you you haven't listened to the <laughs> podcast yeah you know, hey i love your podcast i listen, listen to a couple of episodes and then they go on and here's me
1: <laughs> and i've got a great story about that actually you're going i'm gonna share it yeah, i normally
2: fast. i normally respond to that what's your favorite episode or if they say hey i Heard your episode with Alex Sanfilippo, and um, great episode. And here's all about me. I will then go back and I'll say, what was your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Alex? And if worst case
1: scenario, they go back and listen to it, right? So
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's right, yeah, (laughs) because they want, you know, if they really want to get on my show, they'll listen to it and then they'll respond, and then we can have a conversation. But most of the times, I don't get a response to those, and I know, okay, I picked that one. That was insincere. You know,
1: What's the the one that I had, one one that I had, sorry, I mean to cut you off there. One that I had that was really funny. And I usually respond because I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. But this one, the guy, he even said what he liked in the episode. He said, Hey, Alex, I heard your episode with, with Fred Durst. He's like, I loved hearing him talk and share a story because I grew up watching him on TV and stuff like that. And I was just baffled. I'm like, looking at him like, I never had Fred Durst on my podcast. Like, is he getting confused <laughs> with somebody else? But he like said my name on yeah, my podcast. I had a guy named Fred Dust on my podcast they talked about like the art of communication. And so I just knew this guy was completely lying. He quickly looked at it and was like, Oh, I know who Fred Durst is and started talking yeah, yeah. about it. So I didn't even bother responding. Cause I'm like, you you straight up lied about listening to my show because you got the guest wrong. Like, anyway, that was my that was the worst I ever had.
2: And uh, I could share a couple of worst stories, but I think we'll, we'll move on to something more positive. So Good call. Um, yeah, the The other thing I wanted to touch on, you've recently started up another service for podcasters, which I think is a a brilliant um, idea. And if I didn't already have everything set up, I'd I'd be jumping on that straight away. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, sure. So it's called Podcast SOP, and we actually just launched it this, this week. And the SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedures. A lot of new podcasters, when I was talking to them about why they stopped their show, you mentioned early on that the pod fade line, which is seven episodes, people just stop because that's when they realize it's more work than I thought. One of the main reasons they quit, other than maybe the, the false expectation, is also around the the amount of work that it is. Like they're like, "Man, I feel like I'm always stressed. I'm always confused about what I'm supposed to do next." And that's a lack of system and organization. Like that's what it comes down to. It's systems and organization. How you fix that? So the idea was, can we build something that's a project management software strictly for podcasters? because here's the thing a lot of podcasters when they get started like the brand new ones they don't come from a background of using project management software so when someone gives me the advice of hey go use i don't know Trello or Basecamp mm. or or Asana or Monday.com like any of those they're all great but they do so much that initially it adds to the plate so they're already starting to podcast and like oh my gosh I'm overwhelmed and you give them this and like it does 3000 things and i have to learn how to make it work for me right so it just turns into more so the idea was could we build a project management like software that only does one thing, which is help podcast hosts actually release their episodes. So it gives them a full on checklist that they design or they can use one of our templates and then go through and just finish things as they assign themselves to do them or members of their team. And the idea was, can we get more people to keep on podcasting? Cause I'm, I'm a passionate podcaster. It breaks my heart to see people stop when they had the passion to start. So I just want to help more people continue the process. And that's why we built podcast SOP. Hmm
2: yeah it's wonderful and and i think you're absolutely right because i i've um came across a learning management system platform that's pretty interesting it's complete um like it's got you can put your website inside that you the auto responders inside that the all the automations are inside that so you could replace things like zapier or automate io um or you could just get rid of those because everything's inside this system. You could get rid of your uh, CRM system because it's inside that. And I thought, mm, that's cool. I'll, I must have a look at this. So I kind of dove into it, and I thought, yep, that looks really impressive. But then I started playing, and I thought, wow, <laughs> this is going to be a huge learning curve. <laughs> you have to learn how do they do their automations? How do how do they do their their um, CRM system or their you know the the newsletter system or the, the email marketing system. How do they do their website building? How do they do their learning management stuff? So there's all this different stuff. And it, it reminded me again that any time you kind of switch or try something new or switch to a new platform, there's a huge learning curve. And if you take podcasting and start podcasting, there's a big learning curve there just to do the podcast and then learning a system to drive it as well as is, is a big issue. So Yeah, podcast ASAP does sound fabulous.
1: Yeah, thanks. You know, and you bring up a really good point. I mean, there's the world we live in is going completely digital, right? Like, there's new tools every day that get introduced to me. And it actually takes a little bit of self discipline not to engage with all of them, like to figure out which one's the right one because you want to. But honestly, my time could be completely gone just by me testing out new tools and services. And there's always something a little bit better or newer. I, I think it's about finding your system, your flow of what works for you. I use some very unconventional tools at this point to to run my business, but they work good for me. Mm. And yeah, sure, I might be able to get like a 1% increase in productivity, but I don't want to take four weeks to learn that and have my whole team transfer off of it. If we have something that works well and it's not actually hurting the business at all, then I, I for the most part, try to stick with this point because... The shiny objects of new tools for me is something I personally have to avoid because I really love it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, I've got that issue as well. (laughs) I hand up and (laughs) say, so I just gave you an example of one. Right. Um, Yeah. But, um, okay, well, um, I'm just looking at the time and thinking, do we move on to the buzz? But I did have one other question. I guess I wanted to touch into the relationship. Part in podcasting. I mean, we talked earlier about um, that pre-call and how it makes people feel more comfortable because there's a little bit of a relationship there. So the conversation on the real podcast becomes a conversation between people that already know one another and feel comfortable in one another's presence. Um, how do we get to that point through something like PodMatch?
1: Yeah. So actually, like developing the relationship a little bit further. Hmm. Like I think that you have to first off like have some conversation back and forth. And what you, you do a pre call. So I think for you that really helps a lot mm-hmm. is doing that type of thing. So it's just a matter of still like even using Podmatch, it's a matter of setting that up and being like, Hey, like I'd like to book in the on the podcast, we'll just have a little bit of a pre call or some people just do, hey, we're gonna talk for ten minutes before we hit record. And I think that those efforts really go a long way to so again building that relationship. Uh, and then if I can, I'll add like what you do afterwards. I, I'm all about like following up and staying in touch with those individuals that were previously on my show or that was on their show. Like that following up and keeping up with that person can really lead to a lot of things. You mentioned Wade a couple times early on. If y'all didn't stay in touch, you wouldn't be looking at doing some mm. business together, but it's because you were both willing to now nurture the relationship further that now something can happen from it. And I, I think that podcasting makes a really great platform to be able to do that. And here's why. We grow close to people that we have experiences with. And to me, at least, doing a podcast with somebody is an experience. That's an experience I have with somebody. So I already have like that box is checked off. Like I'm more interested in talking to you now after we do a podcast because now I have some experience where I'm like, oh, man, me and Juergen, we did this really great podcast episode together. Like He asked me really good questions. Yeah, I want to talk to that guy more. That'd be cool. Or you feel like I got a business idea. I'm going to listen. When if it's just cold and it's just I've never met you before, mm-hmm. then I'm a little bit more like, "Ah, I don't know. But we've had that meaningful experience together. And I think that both the guest and the host, because not a lot of people do this like continued relationship afterwards, it takes a little bit of initiative on both sides, but I think that somebody has to be willing to initiate that continued relationship afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question directly, by the way. If if I didn't, yeah, then, I, I, it for me a little bit. No, it does. It does. Okay. I, good. I mean, there's so much
2: gold there that you know, we have this flywheel that we draw for running a podcast. And I say, you know, and I purpose, you know, I've started calling it a flywheel now because every so often when people ask me to come on the podcast, I usually give them the things that they need to do. But I also say to them, hey, we've got a two to three month waiting period because we've got you know, guests already booked in. And I only do so many episodes a week. I, You know, my maximum recording capability is about five or six a week. So and I use the term, hey, it's like a flywheel. I mean, I, I couldn't even stop it if I wanted to. And right. so we've got this drawn like a flywheel. And part of the steps of that flywheel is you know, building the relationships up front and then nurturing the relationships afterwards, which is key. Like you talked about getting together with people for ongoing conversations and doing other things together. But it's as simple as people then saying to me, hey, you should get so and so on my show as well, uh, you sh- on your show because you'll have a great time talking to them, knowing what I know about you now. And so it is that flywheel thing about keeping those relationships going and keeping them alive. And I think it's so important. So on on Podmatch, I right, I have a standard script that I just cut and paste in, and in that script I've got a video of me saying what excites me about a pitch. I've got a booking link to my uh, calendar to book a short call with me, and I basically say, "Here's the steps from here," and and initiate the whole process. And I would certainly encourage guests to kind of do the same in their pitch. Yeah. Okay. Here's, you know, loved you loved your conversation with Alex. Here was my biggest takeaway. Um, I'd love to come on your show and add value by talking about X, Y, and Z, and let's have a quick call. To get to know one another first, and here's my booking link. That would that would really get me excited. I would be on that booking link straight away if I saw something like that and they were a fit for the show because I'd say, Well, they've really thought this through.
1: Yeah. I man, I I encourage your listeners, press like the back 15 second button on whatever device you're listening and hear that again, because that's the perfect framework that you just gave. I mean, that's 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 how you do it. And so many people are putting in way more effort than that and doing a really bad job. I'm not trying to be mean, but like if they're writing up these paragraphs, even if they're copy pasting them, or it's just this this giant blurb of nothing that don't doesn't really help, like doing what you just said in a few sentences is way more efficient. So mm. I couldn't agree more with what you just shared. That that's kinda of like the golden ticket right there.
2: <laughs> All right. Well great. Well I think we'll we'll move on to the buzz now. I think that was a good conversation to have. For sure. Um, so the buzz is our innovation round. I ask the same five questions of each of our guests, and that gives me some Insights into comparing episodes, which normally I don't necessarily have. Um, the idea is, of course, you'll share some tips for the listener to go and do something awesome as a result of your advice today. So, you ready?
1: Sounds good. Yeah, I, and I've yeah. I, I listened to your podcast. I purposely tried not to be overly prepared because I wanted to like answer on the spot. So I, I'm ready though. I'm good.
2: <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative?
1: I think the very first thing that all of us have to learn to do is to practice creativity because creativity is a choice. I believe it's a muscle. It's not something that someone's born with and someone else isn't. Now we might have a natural tendency to just be more creative, but the art of becoming creative is a, is a disciplined practice. There was an interesting poll done on students that were entering kindergarten and more students that were leaving high school. And they were all asked the same question, which is, do you think you're a creative person? And really strange results came back from it. 98% of the kindergartners said, yes, I'm creative. But only 2% of the students leaving high school said that they're creative. And that's just a, to show you how like, not how bad education is or anything like that, but how it is a muscle we have to practice. And that's not practiced throughout school. You're not told that you're creative along the way. So I think the number one thing that you can do to become more innovative is to practice this creativity. It's as simple as every day, writing down an idea. I have fifteen minutes every morning where I literally think of something totally random and try to build a company off of it in fifteen minutes. But doing that has made me more sharp on this idea of innovation.
2: Mm, yeah, I love it. And the, I mean, I'm I'm always curious to see how um young children, kindergarten age children, are so creative because they're trying to do things that they don't have a process. We talk yeah. about processes and the importance of processes, but I think, you know, we can talk about that they will free your mind from routine things so that you can be creative in other things. Exactly. But as really young kids, we have, you know, we don't have a standard operating process for walking, for example. So right. we try stuff out and we fail and then keep trying until, you know, pretty well, most of us are up and about on our two feet by the time That's... we're three or four or five years old. And, that we lose that through the education system, so it's. Uh, I like the analogy of the muscle and exercising that
1: muscle. Yeah, it, it's so insightful what you just shared there. I think that that's that's exactly it. I mean, we just we lose the need to be creative because we're not willing to make mistakes anymore. We've got to be willing to make mistakes, like the kid who's trying to walk, right? Imagine if he's like, I "Can't do this, I'm done." That would really that would hinder his life, but uh, his yeah. or her life. But what you just shared, that's good. I like that.
2: Hmm. All right, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas?
1: So for me, new ideas, I always try to get them to come from my, my ideal customer, my, the members of my community, the people that I already work with, the, the people that I'm most passionate about. The trend there is they don't necessarily come from me because yeah, I have ideas and I practice being innovative, but I, I've always found that my ideas don't work very well. It's not until I connect it to a group of people that I care about, that I'm in community with, that I'm chatting with, that are already customers that I actually find real opportunity. So for me, what I do is I, I go through that group that I'm passionate about them serving and then I find a problem and then I offer a solution. So for me, the only way to develop those new ideas and products is to go back to those people and do my best to learn a little bit more from them without directly being like, Hey, what do you mean? What are you missing? I just mm-hmm. talk. I just listen. And from there, I'm able to develop those new ideas.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, Pod and, um, Pod SOP, uh, Podcast SOP is, are both examples of how you've done that, I think, and the one of the things I like to do in ha- having those conversations with customers is at some point getting onto the what if we could do this, which is hmm. perhaps the creativity part of it, and then really listening to the response in terms of you know where people get excited and say, well, wow, yeah, that'd be great. And Say, okay, well, let me let me work on that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question because it's a probing question without letting somebody know that you have like an agenda. You're just like throwing it out there and it gives someone an opportunity to be like, no, that's dumb, or that's cool, yeah. without feeling like they're going to break your heart. Really smart. You you phrase that question right.
2: <laughs> okay. What's
1: what's a favorite resource that you use most often? So I'm going to share one that is a little bit newer to me and my team, but it's been super beneficial. We've been using something called text expander. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that, but text expander mm-hmm. basically allows you to pre-create these blurbs of text. They can be paragraphs, they can have links, they can put names in automatically. And then you can just type in little codes and automatically spit that out in email or any sort of program that you use. And it's been really helpful. What I actually did is I created my, I think I'm up to like 250 main responses that I give to people for these different types of things that my team is now able to go out there and and use. So I'm like, hey, respond that email for me. They already know which code it is so they can put it out there. And they said every month the company sends you like a track of how much time it saved you so it estimated last month that it saved us 16 hours which is for us two days of productivity productivity gained and mm. so i'm all about that but text expander is a really cool tool i'm not affiliated with them but i'm a big proponent of using something like that
2: mm. yeah i haven't actually thought about it like that to allow the team to respond to emails and that i'll have to go explore it again i, I started using it for myself but as a podcaster <laughs> somebody that talks. I um, <laughs> found it a lot easier to actually just use audio emails and audio messages quite a bit when I wanted to do something really quickly, and and it's got the added benefit, of course, of being a little bit personal. Then,
1: yeah, it's so. all about the small gains in this for me. So, like, mm. I have one for "Have a nice day," and it's just I don't, I, I don't, can't think of the top of my head, but it's three little letters I'll type in because I'm always I like to type "Have a nice day" anyway. So I'm just like, mm. and over time, sure, each time it saves me what maybe a second and a half, but mm. if I do that. Ten thousand times a month or whatever we're doing right like eventually that compounds to actually saving quite a bit of time
2: mm, exactly yeah yeah time saving stuff is is big i mean we did talk about notion um, before we started recording yeah. which is one of my well that's probably my it's open all the time here on my computer so, <laughs> um, and one of the things i have on notion is these ideas of global blocks which is a little bit like the concept of text expander so anytime i want to bring something into a page, I could bring a whole page in with structure and, for example, a standard operating procedure, I'm sort of just embed the whole lot in there and it's all done. So, yeah, it saves a huge amount of time. So the idea of text expander and just typing in three letters for a couple of sentences
1: is great. For sure. Couldn't agree more. And I use, I use Notion as well. It's a beautiful program. All
2: right. What's the best way to keep a client on track?
1: So. For me, I find the the best way to keep somebody on track is to design something that's easy to follow. And we have to consistently be improving in this. Something that Leonardo da Vinci said is that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Mm. And that has always really spoken to me. So we can make a really complex system or onboarding for people. But the truth is it's gonna be hard to keep a anything on track, like a project or a client on track. Like it you have to work really hard to do that well if it's a complex system. So for me, I always look at how I can improve things. And because I'm in software, I have a lot of data. So I can actually see the points where people have friction. And instead of being like, hey, here's what you need to do to fix that, I say, hey, what can we do to simplify this part of the process? What can we do to explain it using less words? How can we even eliminate this this pain point? Like, what can we do? So I find the best way to keep things on track is to really always be diving in the data, talk to the people, and find out where you've made it overly complicated. Because a lot of us creators... We don't mean to, but we don't always come up with the simplest solution, but it's a matter of continuously improving to make it more simple along the way. And that has really helped us a lot with Podmatch and now with Podcast SOP as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, kudos to you for having that approach. And, you know, you, you touched on that a lot of creators, particularly in the software space, make things complex. And sometimes I use tools and I think. I don't think they've ever, you know, the creators of this have ever actually used it themselves because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise here I am annoyed and tearing my hair out and banging the desk because things aren't working the way I expect them to and um I think why do they make it so hard?
1: It's it's so true. You know, something I do, I use Podmatch and my team uses Podcast SOP. Fun fact, we actually use Podcast SOP not just for our podcast, but also for events and our weekly social media releases now. So, and I like not just me, but my team to be thrown into it, so we can be the first to identify a problem. I'll tell you what, you know, who have a lot of grace for you is the person you're paying. <laughs> like, so when one of my employees is like, "Hey, Alex, this, this, I need to be able to like delete a comment," and we didn't build that in initially, I was like, "Oh, I didn't think about deleting a comment." Hmm. So we added it, but that was my own team that said, "Hey, we need this." So yeah, I mean, hmm. it's really important to make sure that you're using your own products or services because you'll be able to actually see, okay, here's what's actually happening, right?
2: Hmm. Yep. All right. And finally, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves?
1: For me, I think it just comes down to this one word or two words, and it's to be human. Hmm. Be human, I think, is so important. And if you're like running a B to B business, we're all ultimately H to H, which means human to human. Hmm. At the end of the day, I think that you can really separate yourself from the rest out there. If you're the one who's willing to get on phone calls, to be involved in the social media community, to be active in using whatever is that is you that you have. By doing that, I think that you really, again, separate yourself, but also show people, oh my gosh, there's a human behind this. Like it's not just a product that I'm using. I mean, how often do you get to talk to a founder or someone high up in, in management of a company that that you're using like their service? It's not very often. But the ones that do are usually the ones that people hang with because now there's it's not just a business. It's mm. now this is another person that I've met I've had the opportunity opportunity to talk to them. So for me, I think to differentiate yourself, you've got to be willing to get human. It does require doing things that don't scale, which simply means like you can't scale yourself talking to more people. But I think it's one of the most helpful practices that any founder or anybody in business can do.
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, um, you know, as, as a business that philosophy is make marketing human again, and I'm starting to use that in the podcasting space. Yeah. That um, definitely resonates with me. And I think there's, I think there's clever things you can do. And we touched on some of those earlier. Um, I'll come back to a, podcast pitch i had recently that really i mean i did have the quick call with that person but we booked the podcast straight away based on the pitch and it was a video that the person had recorded and the video began with hi i'm sarah and i'd love to come on your podcast And here's the kind of things that I like to talk about on podcasts. So it was leading with value, but very generic. It wasn't talking to me as an individual, although it was in in a way. So that's a scalable thing. There was then a personal message that went with that video. Hmm. And I thought that is really clever because that is scalable to the extent that, you know, you could send the same video to everybody with a little personal message to go up the front and it's and it is personal um so that there, there are ways to scale that but yeah there are yeah it's being a good point human, i mean yeah
1: yet you're showing the human element by being in a video that alone even if it's a video you send to everybody nonetheless it puts a face behind it like mm. i don't know if you drink coca-cola i don't even know who runs coca-cola right now i've never gotten a video from that person but i think that if i did i'd probably be more interested in looking at more of their products because i'd be like oh man yeah he sent me this video or his team sent me this video like it, again adding that human element i think really separates people Especially in today's world, we're all more disconnected than ever. People are looking for that now. Yeah, that's right.
2: All right, well, thanks, Alex. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you? Reach out, maybe even say thanks for what you shared today and certainly learn more about Podmatch and Podcast SOP.
1: Yeah, th- thanks for that opportunity. First off, I want to give give respect and honor where it's due. You are doing a great job here, Juergen. I actually listened to episode, I believe it was 457, and you were talking to Dwayne. And it was like about branding and emotional marketing and a really powerful episode, a great interview. Um, I encourage anyone who has not heard that, go back and listen to that interview. It's really powerful. As far as finding me, you can find everything I do at podmatch.com or podcastsop.com and my own show is at creating a And I'm working at getting them all down to one hub here again. I'm going to get there really soon. Um, so, but. For now, that's kind of the places you can find me and feel free to connect. I'm pretty accessible these days for people to be able to connect with, but really just an honor to be here and I love what you're doing.
2: Well, thanks, Alex. I appreciate the comments. And we'll certainly have those links in the show notes so people can click through and find them easily. Now, do you have some parting advice you'd like to leave our listener with today?
1: Yeah, I think if I can share one thing, it's to seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. I believe that all of us that are getting out there to market, to be podcasters, to start our own businesses or, or just to grow a little bit, we have this idea of, of profit being important and it is, but I believe that if you lead with value first, you're going to find that you leave a much longer lasting impact and that you'll be more fulfilled in the process. And ultimately, I find that profit is sometimes a byproduct of the value that you add to people's lives. So I think that it's really important that we think about value one life to one life. So instead of saying, I want to change the world, that's that's a great that's a great idea like it sounds really cool but at the end of the day your neighbor might need you there might be one person who you can really reach out to today and change the life so I encourage you when you think about being that person of value be willing to do for one what you wish you can do for all and I believe everything extends from there but that would be my parting advice for everybody
2: that's fabulous that's just fantastic I mean there's two things there that I think I'd really love to highlight and that's the first one is that profit often follows giving value And, you know, it's sort of counterintuitive to say, well, forget about profit, give value first. That, that's actually the way to profit. Um, and the second one is because if you look at, I want to change the world. I want to impact everyone in the world. Um, that is such an overwhelming goal that you probably (laughs) never impact anyone. (laughs) And so, and yet, and yet the butterfly effect says that if I change one person's life, I've impacted the world. Because that person might go out and change one person's life, and then if I go and change one other person's life, they'll change one person's life, and all of a sudden there's about four now. And
1: that's absolutely right. I could, I mean, love it. You're, you're such an intelligent host. Like I feel like <laughs> your, your responses, these, like you, you know, it's like I sent you what I was going to say, and you researched <laughs> it. Like that's hundred percent. I could not agree more with you, man. All right.
2: Well, finally, Alex, who else should I get on this podcast, and why?
1: all right so i i did think about this question I knew it was coming and I, I thought about this one so there's a guy who's, who happens to be on podmatch his name's rob fitzpatrick and he has a book that's called the mom test and we talked a little bit about like mm-hmm. how to ask questions and how to frame questions and basically he talks about i'm not gonna give away the whole book but he talks about how to actually frame a question in a way that your mom couldn't even lie to you about it and i just think that what he's sharing his message is so needed in today's world, especially people that want to start a company, to start asking proper questions to really evaluate if they have something worthwhile or not. I, I think that Rob Fitzpatrick would be a phenomenal guest, and it would be one that I'd want to listen to.
2: Great. Okay. Well, that sounds really interesting, so we'll, um, we'll get you to introduce us to Rob and reach out to him. We can actually go to Podmatch and reach out to him there, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll bring him on the show. Sounds fascinating. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously with us today, Alex. I've really enjoyed this and had a ball. And, you know, there's so many gold nuggets in in the conversation today. And if, if the listener is interested in podcasting or being a guest on podcasts, then certainly listen to this episode again and, and make notes because there's so much gold here and so many little things that you can do that will make a big difference to your journey. So thanks again, Alex. I really enjoyed it. Let's stay in touch and all the best for the future.
1: Absolutely, Juergen. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be here.
0: I hope you enjoyed that really engaging and very insightful conversation with Alex and took something away from his episode. There are so many golden tips in this conversation, and I encourage you to listen through again to the whole conversation because there's so many highlights. My highlights can be encapsulated in the advice to be human and to seek to be a person of value first. I'd love to know what you took away from Alex's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabears.co forward slash Alex Sanfilippo. That is A L E X S A N. F-I-L-I-P-P-O, all lowercase, all one word, InnovaBiz.co forward slash Alex Sanfilippo. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Alex, as well as links to the Creating a Brand and the Podmatch websites to Alex's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you like this episode, do share it with at least two other people that it might help. You'll be doing them a massive favour. Tag me in on that share so that I can join in the conversation and reach out to you with a special surprise thank you. Alex suggested that we have a conversation with Rob Fitzpatrick, author of The Mum Test, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Rob, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Alex Sanfilippo. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Catherine Morgan, award-winning financial coach, trainer, speaker and columnist at the Money Panel, and David Chantal, business school professor, venture capitalist, designer and co-author of The Human Element. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaViz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.